You're listening to episode 14, Chickadee. I just love this bird. It's very small, doesn't weigh any more than a handful of paper clips, but the chickadee to me represents bravery. In fact, Ralph Waldo Emerson called him a scrap of valor, and we'll see why. Why a lot of people consider the chickadee, despite its diminutive size, the bird with the biggest heart. And I think he's got some lessons to teach us about how we can approach God with courage and bravery and confidence. Welcome to the Nature of Hope podcast. I'm your host, Lori Kaler. Here we will take 15 minutes to step back, delight in nature, and discover God. My goal is to give you hope in your daily walk and increase your awareness and enchantment in the beautiful world God created for us to take part in. If you sometimes feel disenchanted with life or disconnected from God, this is the place for you. If you pull over for sunsets and sometimes you feel like your church is outside, this is for you. Come with me and let's explore the animals, the quiet forests, deep under the seas, and high on the mountaintops, all that God has made for us to delight in. It's time to de-stress and refresh in the nature of hope. So I grew up in Wisconsin where the winters are brutally cold. In fact, when I met my husband, he said, oh yeah, I understand winter. We met in California. He said, because I grew up in Pennsylvania. And I laughed. I said, no, you don't understand. Those of us that have been grown, uh, that have been raised in Minnesota, Wisconsin, we understand what it means when it's 30 below zero. We understand what it means when you breathe in and it hurts your lungs. It feels like they're crystallizing. We understand what it's like to go out with wet hair and have it break off because it freezes solid. <laughs> so in the midst of this incredibly cold weather, there are some birds that stick around and they just amaze me. And I love the, the brilliant red of the cardinal when he's against the white snow. And I love the chickadee, this tiny little bird who hangs around in the winter. In fact, most mornings after breakfast, my mother would walk out to the bird feeder, the um, the picnic bench in the backyard was under two feet of snow. The bird bath was covered. Her little statue of uh, St. Francis of Assisi had about a couple inches of snow on him. And she would brush off the bird feeder and get out there and feed the birds because she knew that they relied on her to feed them to make it through another day. And the first bird, inevitably, at that feeder would be the chickadee. In fact, he'd be waiting on a branch doing his familiar call. He'd be saying, chickadee dee 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 or they have another call that says, Phoebe, Phoebe. And he'd be sitting there chattering at her like, hurry up, I've been waiting out here. And I just think he's the most adorable little bird. Whether they're black-capped or chestnut-backed or mountain chickadees, they all have this cute little black cap on their head. It looks almost like a beret on the top. They are about the size of a goldfinch, five inches, and they only weigh one-third of an ounce or, like I said earlier, about as much as a handful of paper clips. Their call is easily identifiable, uh, despite my vocalization, the chickadee-dee-dee. But what endears me to the chickadee and many others is 
the big heart. He must have the biggest heart of all the songbirds. Ralph Waldo Emerson said that he was a scrap of valor for his fearlessness and ability to endure frigid winters. The chickadee is able to fluff up his feathers to make an inch-thick furry coat that provides warmth. Standing outside in 20 below zero weather, the difference in temperature between his body and the outside air is 128 degrees. But unlike red poles and other small birds that can endure cold winters, the chickadee does not have a crop, which is an internal food storage bag. Instead, this little bird has to eat constantly to keep up his fat reserves and strength. On short winter days, when there aren't many hours of sunlight, he's got a lot of work to do. For example, this little bird needs to consume enough calories every day to add 10% to his body weight which he then burns overnight. This is like a 140-pound uh, person eating enough to weigh 154, 14 pounds more, or 49,000 calories, and then expending that energy overnight for survival so he faces the morning at 140 pounds again. This is where we come in. We can help the chickadee face harsh weather and short days by providing suet and birdseed at our feeders. The chickadee's ability to survive cold is admirable, but what charms people most is his attitude. The Yiddish equivalent would be chutzpah. Tom Brown, who ran a tracker school in New Jersey, said this about the chickadee in his book, The Tracker. He said, we learn to be patient observers like the owl. We learned cleverness from the crow and courage from the jay, who will attack an owl ten times his size to drive it off its territory. But above all of them ranked the chickadee, because of its indomitable spirit. I love that. I came across uh, several websites when I was writing my bird book about where people told stories about the bravery of the chickadee in their backyards. One told how a chickadee tormented and thwarted a squirrel from entering its territory. Another related how a flock of songbirds at his feeders scattered at the sight of a northern shrike. A northern shrike is a predator bird. But the chickadee led him on a merry chase and outwitted him by flying straight towards a glass storm door and then veering off at the last minute. Caught by surprise and unable to make a quick turn, the shrike smashed into the door and was unconscious for several minutes. The chickadee perched on a nearby branch and seemed to giggle at his own cleverness and bravery. What I find most amazing about the chickadee is that of all the songbirds that visit our feeders, he is the one most likely to be taught to feed out of our hand. I think that's so cute. In many of my birding books, I've, I've come across people's experiences with hand-feeding chickadees in their backyards. I just think this is so adorable, and I don't know if I would have the patience to sit out there day after day with bird feed in my hand, but there are, if you look on the internet, there are all sorts of photos of chickadees eating out of people's hands. In fact, I have a picture of one on my website. But unlike the brave chickadee, I was pretty much a fraidy cat growing up. Uh, despite the fact that I was taller than almost everyone else and uh, seemingly gregarious in nature, I was insecure and shy. For example, when the Easter Bunny came and handed out chocolate rabbits at this restaurant where my family was having brunch, I was too scared to approach. All the other kids went up gleefully and I hung back. My mother was like, go on, it's just, you know, a pretend rabbit. 
But he was huge and tall, and he had this big oversized head, and he wasn't speaking, and I just thought he was freaky. And um, I thought there was probably somebody inside a costume there, but uh, my fear had a price. I went home without a chocolate rabbit. When I lost a tooth, I was terrified of the tooth fairy. But what if I wake up when he comes, I whined to my brother, and I said, you know, and he's big and ugly and scary. I imagine that the tooth fairy who came and gave money for teeth, we lo- I don't know if other countries have this, but in North America, if you lose a tooth, you put it under your pillow and the tooth fairy is supposed to come at night and take your tooth and leave you a little coin. I was afraid he would look like a troll, not like Tinkerbell or some fairy. My brother could not believe how gullible and stupid I was. <laughs> he said, don't be stupid. The tooth fairy is just mom and dad. So instead of feeling disappointment that a charming childhood myth had been snatched from me, I remember a distinct feeling of relief and gratitude that I didn't have to face the unknown. At the age of 12, I was afraid to take a bus downtown long after my friends were doing it. I was afraid also to enter into an intimate, personal relationship with the God of the universe, even though I longed to do so. When I was around 12, a cousin sent me this book about Johnny Erickson. She was a typical teenager who rode horses and loved swimming, but tragically she dove into shallow water in the Chesapeake Bay and broke her neck and became a quadriplegic. I think my relative meant to encourage me to leave behind uh, the forms of religion and enter more into a relationship with God, but (laughs) instead... I had read this book and thought, oh, so she had prayed to follow God, then she gets in this horrible accident, and now she's a quadriplegic. So, of course, I'm thinking, trust this guy and you're toast. So I continued for a few more years, longing to know and be intimately known by this incredible creator of heaven and earth, and yet terrified to give him full access to my life. I knew I wanted to move beyond the cold, liturgical religion I was brought up with, and I agreed with its historical facts, but it didn't influence my daily life. I knew I wanted a relationship where I felt forgiven, accepted, and could pray and see answers to those prayers, but I was afraid that the price was too high. I imagined that God would want me to be a missionary to some disease-ridden, steamy climate where no one was interested and I would toil away for years with nothing to show for it. Or I feared that God would cripple me like what happened to Johnny. Logically, this didn't make sense, that the one who loves me more than any other heart on this earth or in heaven would purposely seek to do me harm. But I thought, well, maybe he's not interested in my definition of a fun life. So I continued on for a few more years pursuing my definition of fun. And after a while, I decided that fun sometimes turned out to mean entrapment, shame, wasting my talents, going nowhere fast. And I wanted to look back over my life and feel like it had meant something. It had been worthwhile. I had achieved something significant. So, and despite my athletic endeavors, I knew that wasn't happening I mean, I'd become an NCAA All-American swimmer and done all sorts of school records and everything, but I still didn't have that peace in my heart. So one winter day, long, not long before Christmas, I said, okay, I am scared of this, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I asked Jesus to come into my heart and take control. 
When I look back on that moment of decision now, I laugh. Not because I wasn't genuine or that a big shift in my spiritual life uh, occurred, but because I'm stunned at what that decision entailed. I think it was my unspoken belief that I thought God would pretty much pave the way for me after that. Um, I had one college evangelist once say, God has a wonderful plan for your life. And he does, but I took that to mean I would have quick and definite answers to prayers and I would see all my situations improve and I'd probably, you know, move my grades up a notch. And (laughs) those aren't the things that cause you to grow in love or wisdom. It's more about trusting him when life is painful, unfair, and it doesn't make sense. Choosing to obey his word when it isn't convenient and working out my faith with fear and trembling, like in Philippians 2.12, were the messy process that still goes on to this day. It's rarely easy, orderly, or pretty, but the rewards are worth it. So I understand it when people are reticent or even fearful to talk to God face to face. Because to many people, he's the big man upstairs, the guy who holds all the puppet strings. He's the Wizard of Oz, Superman, Supreme Authority. And if you're raised in a different religion where God is scary and vengeful, you know, it makes it really hard to approach him. Also, if God is like our earthly examples, then there's a fear of being hurt, suffering disappointment or abuse, you know, if you've had a poor father figure. So trust him with my hopes and dreams and heart? Yikes. So it's no wonder we are hesitant to approach him. But he says in the Bible that he longs for us to do so. In Isaiah, it is recorded, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. And in Jeremiah, God promises he will listen to us. You will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. That's Jeremiah 29, verse 12. He delights in hearing from us. In fact, God's desire for a relationship with us is what the whole Bible is all about. He's running after us like the prodigal son's father, running down the street, welcoming us home. In the book of Hosea, he's weeping over our leaving him for other things, other people. I've always loved the illustration of how Christianity is different from all other religions. If you take a piece of paper and draw two horizontal parallel lines a few inches apart, one represents heaven, where God is, and one represents earth, where we are. Now draw a stick figure of a person standing on earth. In all other religions, man is standing on the earth, stretching, reaching, longing to draw closer to heavenly things, toward perfection. But in Christianity, God stretches down to us. Draw a cross from heaven to earth that touches earth. That's God reaching down to us through the cross of Jesus Christ. But instead of reaching out to him, in response, we try other routes. Pray to your angel, someone said on TV the other day. And You know, social media and and everything around us is full of people suggesting other avenues to God, like go to a tarot readings, call this number, go visit a medium. Others try to use biblical figures and people long dead as go-between, like praying to dead saints or people mentioned in the Bible. I think this is understandable, but it's misguided. Why talk to an intermediary when the king of the universe 
has told you to come directly to him. God has said specifically that we are to turn nowhere else but to him. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. So there's no other person we should be praying to. And many traditions suggest to do that. And that's not what the Bible says. He says there's no other mediator between God and man. There's only one, and that's Jesus. In the book of Acts, it says salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Acts 4 verse 12. So nowhere in the Bible do you see God condoning or encouraging us to pray to, petition, or praise anyone else. I'm not naming names here, but I think you can put two and two together. He says we should come to him with boldness and confidence. We're told in the book of Hebrews that we can be bold in drawing near to God. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That's Hebrews 4 verse 16. We can be as brave and bold as the chickadee when we approach God because we have the confidence of his love. He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. That's Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3. And he promises to receive us warmly. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. That's John 6, verse 37. Clearly, we can learn from this adorable little chickadee and his chutzpah that God wants us to draw near. He will not turn us back. And we can expect good things from his hand. I hope this talk about the chickadee has emboldened you and encouraged you to approach God with confidence and to be like the chickadee. Though you may feel small and inadequate and tiny in all of the universe's creation, God knows you and he wants you to approach him. If you've been encouraged about this talk regarding the chickadee and about approaching God with boldness and bravery like our cute little bird, I have a fun little poster for you. You can download it for free. It's on my website, lauriekaler.com forward slash chickadee. Lori is L-A-U-R-I-E. Kaler is K-E-H-L-E-R. That's lauriekaler.com forward slash chickadee. And I have a cute little poster for you to download. It's a, it's a bird I painted, a watercolor picture of a chickadee. And it just encourages you to approach the throne of grace with boldness and expect good things from God's hand. Have a great week. Don't forget to step outside and just clean out your insides and de-stress and refresh in the beautiful nature of hope. See you next time.